Okay, in this episode, we are going to discuss our computing roots. Uh, we are going to share some experiences of owning and using our first computers, uh, like Amstrad CPC 464 for me, and Spectrum for you, if I remember correctly. Yes. And how those started our journey towards, uh, let's say, computers and computer science. We are going to talk you, uh, take you to, uh, back in time, describe how we got to know computers, uh, and some details about how it was back in the days when we were much younger. Stuff like limited processing power, super limited sound cards, and the necessary level of creativity that went along with that. We're also going to talk a little bit about the evolution of gaming from our perspective and how it came to be to uh, what it is now. But we are going to kind of focus uh, on our, let's say, uh, childhood part of that uh, from 80s onwards as starting point and finish right about the time when gaming became super popular. This, this episode basically describes our personal journeys to the world of computers by what we refer to as two adult kids, but still kids. And we kind of loved every single uh, moment of that, and we want to take you on that journey with us. So welcome to that IT show where basically talk meets tech and vice versa. Let's roll the intro. Somebody's singing today. What the hell is going on? What's wrong uh, with you? I need to fill the uh, noise uh, between the intro and the moment that my uh, old 8088 uh, PC is not booting. You, need, you, you wanted to say that you need to fill the void, not the noise, right? The noise. Do you remember the noise of old computers? Yes. No, 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 no. Your first computer. Do you remember the smell and the noise of the first computer? I do. My, yes. my Amstrad. Yes, I do. Yes, yes, everybody does. And this is one of the things that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to surprise you with this. Because when we are talking about something that is dear to us, we usually also remember other uh, senses. So we remember yeah, the smells. olfactory senses are uh, So we active. remember the smells, we remember the touches, we remember the, how, the texture of the, how the texture of everything else around your computer was, uh, was doing. So when you were playing in your on your carpet probably, uh, with your Amstrad near the TV because you needed to use the TV. No, I had a monitor. Okay, but your first computer also had a monitor. Yes, C start. CPC 464 had okay. a monitor, okay. green one. Oh, okay, I think the you would turn up better if you used the TV. But uh, <laughs> and, 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 anyways. I love the condescension that you just showed, I love it. Yes, so uh, my first Spectrum was of course uh, connected directly to the TV uh, through the composite or something else? RF. Or, oh, geez. So okay. channel 36, if I remember correctly. <laughs> there was even there was even a, even a standard for the channels that you had to use on your PC, on your, on your monitor. Uh, but I, well, I'm going to digress a lot today, but uh, my it's, first- It's called tangents. Yes, so I'm going to be uh, tangential to everything that we do today. You're going to troll me basically, that's what you're saying. No, you're just going to try to put me back into my uh, on, on my path to enlightenment and to try to explain what was happening. And I'm going to completely, basically sidestep you. So, anyways, uh, never my ever going to happen. My first spectrum was uh, 
Which one? Uh, ZX. So okay. ZX somewhere in 1982, I think, if I remember correctly. It could be 82 or 83. Okay. It got smuggled from United Kingdom mm-hmm. because back in the days here in what was formerly Yugoslavia and now is Croatia. Uh, Croatia is not former Yugoslavia. No, no, no. What, 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 no, what was former Yugoslavia now is now Croatia because where we're living, we just went through a lot of different uh, countries, different, <laughs> different ways of living in the last uh, 40 years or so. So basically, uh, computers were hard to, go, uh, to come by. Correct. Uh, you had to either smuggle them or buy them pretty expensive, if I remember. I think mm-hmm. that my spectrum was something like three or four times the price it was in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it came with amazing, ama- uh, amazing assem- uh, assembly of uh, periphery. So it had a cable to connect the tape, so tape recorder. Oh, yes. And it had a light pen. Okay. I had a light pen that never worked. You lucky bastard. Yes, but this this light pen was basically just uh, intended to work with one uh, program for that was supposed to be paint. And the way it worked is uh, it tried to uh, it had a photo diode and it was mm-hmm. trying to um, discern different colors in the screen. Uh, And remember, this is a TV screen, so it didn't have any calibration of the screen. Mm-hmm. So it was trying to say, uh, see what were the different colors and try to guess what it was looking at. So the way it worked is that you had to uh, turn on the spectrum, wait for five minutes for the program to load, load, load up, start it, and then take your pen directly to the TV screen mm-hmm. and then move it across the screen to see what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And usually nothing. It looks like the, you're describing uh, TFT calibration of old synthesizers, by the way, for yes. me. Yes, this is one thing. And the other thing that I had, uh, I had, uh, I wouldn't call it, okay, let's call it portable uh, TV. It, no, it wasn't a monitor. It was a Keketz, if you remember oh, from yes. Israel. Yes, so it had a huge uh, handle, handle uh, for, uh, for it to be lugged around. It wasn't in color, so it was black and white. I had the same one. Yes, and I was using it a lot because I was taking my uh, Spectrum with me when I went to the, so over the summer when I was, uh, I went just had to go with my parents and spend the summer. Uh, By out. force. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it, I, I wasn't forced. I just couldn't be left behind. So. Yes. So I, I, had, I had the same thing, but, and I remember watching Tour de France, my first Tour de France with, on that TV, and when I had uh, some problems with my kidneys. And also, I remember watching something that I'm reluctant to say out loud, but I was watching uh, Schwarzlot Clinic on it. Okay, okay. Back in the day, it was very popular. Yes, back in the day, if you had a portable TV, it was a, it was a thing to... Yes, you were the man. Okay, you were a guy who had the portable TV. <laughs> that, that Black was, and white, but... Yes, but in, and you had, if you were a kid, you had to get your parents with you because uh, the TV itself was something like 10 kilos, kilos or so. Mm-hmm. So... You had to have somebody else to take a video. But okay, so this was my first my first computer. After this... Wait a second. Uh, just give me a second. I'm just going to go through the 80s. So straight <laughs> after the Spectrum, I went over the... I didn't use the C, uh, C64. Mm-hmm. Uh, because after the Universiada that was in, uh, in 87, Uh, I got lucky and I got one of the XT clones that they were using to input the data in the Universiada. So because they had a couple of thousand of them. Now I, I'm starting to get the picture of why you are such a hoarder as you are. So I got uh, something that was called the Hero XT and it was a modular PC. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to try to find the image or a specification for it. Basically, the power unit, the CPU, the storage, and the floppy were modular. You could sort of kind of uh, get them together in different combinations mm-hmm. and get a computer that was barely running because it was an uh, XT. But I got my first uh, steps into in the uh, enter- world? Enter- enterprise world, uh, <laughs> running Word whatever, one or two. Zero nine beta. Yes, basically on a green screen uh, that was awful, uh, on a computer that was, in, that was intended to be running just basically a data input uh, from a single floppy. And it had a 360K single floppy, single side. Okay. So that, that was it. Okay. Uh, Is it my turn now? Yes. Okay, my journey starts couple of years after you because you are let's say a couple of years more mature than me at least on a piece of paper i won't call it a mature older no i know what i why i said it um i uh, my family bought an amstrad for my brother and me in i think it was 1984 uh, that computer was super popular in europe actually and i mean you, you can't compare that to C64 and some of the incarnations of Spectrum as well. But still, more uh, from the stats that I was able to find, more than 2 million units of that were sold. Yes. And it had actually three versions, two after that, 664 and 6128. I never had a chance to work on those computers, which I would love to do, at least to play a little bit. So I was fifth grade when I got to that computer. And I distinctly remember everything that you mentioned, you sly man about the smell, the tactile feeling, the, 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 the feeling of rejuvenation or youthful exuberance when I got to the computer and everything else. That uh, not only got me into computers, at least a little bit of it, into, uh, a little bit of getting into it. Uh, it also got me into programming. I'm going to talk about this uh, a little bit later, but okay. yes, yes. So because Amstrad had BASIC, uh, and I remember that... Uh, when I was in uh, sixth grade, I started writing my first program in BASIC, which was about calculating the average of my grades. Okay. Which was a cool project for a kid that didn't have any experience in programming, which uh, uh, that also just started using computers and on top of it didn't have any documentation because back in the day, documentation was let's say difficult although old computers used to come with the books for programming yes. as well yes and i had i had though that but uh, i for some reason or other i didn't use it i don't know why maybe somebody got misplaced it or something i, I really can't remember okay it could be it could be that you weren't speaking english as, uh, as well back the back way then and the uh, uh, book was in english no, it wasn't a problem because I started uh, learning English in third or fourth grade, and I was uh, languages were some, somewhat of a forte for me, English and French back okay. in the day. So it definitely wasn't English. Problem. Because I was, I was, I was uh, too young. Uh, I got my Spectrum in third grade or so, and I didn't know English back then. Yeah, that, that's a difference. Yes, uh, but I got mine two or three years into learning the ah, language. Okay, okay, okay. So that's the difference. Um, I remember from that era, actually, my best friend, who I'm also a good friend uh, still to this day, had a C64, and we never played that one. Never, ever, ever, single time. We did uh, play those, you know, video games like small ones, but never, uh, never played C64. And uh, the other friend that I had, uh, one, one, one more friend that had a computer, actually. I'm, I'm kind of like slicing my past uh, via to, to the lens of people who had computers. Most of them didn't. 
another one had uh, Atari 520 STFM. I have okay. a cup. I have a, a cu- at least one of those at home, I and I have, I have. I think 1040 I have as well. I think I have one of those. I think I I have 1020. It's not 1040. 1040. 1040. Okay. Yes. Okay. I have. I think I have 520 and 1040 or two 1040s. I don't remember. Okay. I have to check. Uh, I played that computer at uh, exactly once in my life. And after that, uh, it was many, basically, many, let me guess, it was a MIDI controller. No, not then, because back then I didn't have synthesizer okay. and I wasn't playing with that. That came later, actually, or on a correct path. So you guessed right. Uh, because uh, when I was in high school, uh, I met a person who became my editor in chief in the future magazine that I worked for. Okay. In his studio, he said he had an Atari. That's, that was my introduction to MIDI in practice while I was already reading about it for years in our computer magazines. Yes. If you remember our the translation of Byte magazine, at the end of the magazine had uh, always had like a, a, a part of it which was written by Jelko Yanda, who is still yes. to this yes, very day yes, the, yes. one of the connoisseurs of MIDI. I remember reading that like religiously, every single uh, every single issue that, that I could buy because those, those things were also very expensive back then. Yes, but... All the computing was expensive. Uh, it was. I'm going to start with one thing. I had to learn programming. By I had, I mean, basically what uh, what happened to me is that uh, when I got my PC, uh, my uh, Spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, my tape recorder broke. And I didn't, for the first couple of weeks, I didn't have a tape. So I wasn't able to load anything into the Spectrum. You weren't able to do anything, so therefore you started yes, programming. Yes, so I had to use the original uh, documentation because Spectrum uh, was uh, delivered with a pretty hefty book that contained a lot of uh, different examples. I wasn't so sure in my English, mm-hmm. but I could uh, basically copy-paste from the copy-paste from the uh, documentation and I was able to do something. So I had to experiment, even though I didn't know what I was doing. So peeking, poking circles, uh, creating, uh, creating pixels, uh, doing random functions and so on, because this is part of the programming on, in Spectrum, because uh, we need to remind people that Spectrum was a little bit different than other um, uh, computers, even today, but even back then, uh, because it had uh, integrated basic mm-hmm. and it basic had, uh, you didn't need to type the keywords. Keywords were, were directly connected to the keys. So in order to, for, for example, to type in print, you just uh, press, press the key, yes, press P, I remember. and that yeah. was it. So you got uh, the basic would bind it to different keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, colorful keyboard, col- colorful yes. keyboard, and, uh, gummy keys, and uh, basically rubbery, uh, yeah, completely some... useless key- uh, keyboard. For no, anything. I loved it. I, lo- I, I never had it. I wanted to add this to your story. Uh, my cousin had it, and I played it once or twice when we. Uh, when I was this close meeting. to uh, bringing it together because, uh, tonight because uh, I actually have it uh, still. You you do know that we have us. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Hundred twenty-eight in the office. Yes, but this was the original forty-eight uh, ZX uh, that had the creamy keyboard. The basically complete is complete now. Completely worn out. Uh, there is a piece of tin over the keyboard that is, key, that is keeping it uh, together. The keyboard is uh, membrane-based, mm-hmm. so it. Uh, I think I changed it. Twice or three, or three times. You know, the only game that I ever played on Spectrum was Pac-Man. Nothing else. 
I distinctly remember playing. Oh, I remember I remember playing a lot of games. Because uh back way then my neighbor had Spectrum 16, I think. Mm -hmm. There was a there was a cheaper version of the Spectrum. And he had something called Horace Go Skiing or something like this. Mm -hmm. Basically one of those uh, top-down scrollers uh, when you had to use left and right to avoid mm -hmm. something. And we were playing this for days. Okay, going back to the original story that I was saying, uh, in terms of gaming, uh, my first gaming was on my Amstrad, on our Amstrad. And I distinctly remember some of the games playing because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have all that much stuff in memory. You're learning slowly, but you tend to remember those things for a very long time because the, those were your initial memories. So I remember playing games like Jet Set Willy, very yes. popular. Frostbite, I remember that one as well. Arkanoid, which was very yes. popular on yes. pretty much everything. And the original version of Prince of Persia was already on yes, Amstrad. Yes, 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 back, back with then. And the only other game that I really remember, like, playing heavily, um, uh, Amstrad had a very good collection of winter games, and I had two, because it was per sport, and I played two of those, hot dog, like ski jumps, yes. and uh, biathlon, with shooting yes, yes, at yes, targets, etc. I spent God knows how many hours playing those games. And it's amazing how we managed to actually spend enormous amount of hours playing games that to get that today, super simple games that today wouldn't even be considered games it would be, they would be considered just uh, things that are not even nice to look at which brings me to my point about my gaming yes. a little bit early but still i want to say this out loud you kind of got me into that 4k competition channel youtube something yes which i find to be extremely impressive you, should, you guys should check that because it's crazy. Just write down 4K. 4K intro or 4K demo scene. Yeah. Uh, and try to try to uh, search for Amiga demo scene, try to search for uh, PC demo scene, and you're going to find an enormous amount of, I couldn't describe how uh, good those things are. So for, specific, for specifically small piece of memory. Yes, that they're use. amazing programmers that are able to cram uh, enormous amount of graphics, enormous amount of music, talent, talent and music effects. into into something that is pro, pro, basically 4K long. Okay, so my point is this. Uh, even at that very early age, I realized that for me, the gaming is not about the uh, the art of pictures and super high quality images and super high quality sound or whatnot for me it was the fun experience of gaming which is still the same principle that uh, takes me to this day that's the reason why i like switch it's nowhere near close to other consoles in terms of graphics quality but it's enormously fun uh, all the good games are fun Yes. Uh, even those that look, I would I would call them uh, bad according old, to today's standards, old or retro yeah. or whatever. Uh, good games are fun. Yes. Uh, for example, there is a game called Hotline Miami uh, okay. for the PC that looks outdated from the moment it came out, mm -hmm. and it still is a hit because it is fun to play. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot of games out there that don't um, basically they don't look good. They are not the best in the terms of graphics, but are more fun. Very than, interesting. They are interesting. Yes, they are. They are drawing you in, and they are trying to uh, make you part of the part of the world that they are creating. Correct. 
So back when then, uh, back way then, we had uh, text adventures mm-hmm. that had no graphics at all. Mm-hmm. Today, uh, to have a game that doesn't have any graphics in it is impossible. Would be completely impossible. Actually, these games that I just mentioned, so Jet Set Willy, uh, Arkanoid, Frostbite. I cannot even begin to uh, explain how simple they were in terms of graphics. I remember uh, the, the another reason why I remember Jet Set Willy, apart from the obvious, because it's a super simple game which has uh, like specific. Yes. It's about the background music, which was uh, better than Moonlight yes, Sonata. Yes, and it was annoying. Yes. It was back then when you needed to know better. Yes, yes, yes. But yes, yes. that actually leads me to one other side point that I wanted to make, actually. When I was thinking about this episode, I remembered all of these details because it's impossible to forget them. One of the points that I wanted to make, and I was heavily reminded of this by watching one of the uh, Retro Bytes videos, a YouTube channel, uh, from a couple of weeks ago, that four-voice, super simple sound that old computers used to have. I agree, it was annoying. Okay, and a lot of computers used to just have beeps, not only, not necessarily. So Spectrum had the only single voice. Yeah, some of them had four voices. Yes, that was uh, at that time that was considered to be wow. I'm going to talk about music. C64 was one of those. Yes, but I'm going to talk about music a little bit later because I want to get into music because uh, my first uh, my first PC didn't have a music card, since some card at all. Okay. Probably not. Uh, you didn't have uh, one either. Uh, and my first music card wasn't a music card. My first PC or my first uh, 486 that I got as an actual PC that I was uh, mm-hmm. using somewhere in the 1993. We are not done with the 80s, by the way. Yes, we are not done with the 80s. But uh, back way then, you could actually make your own uh, audio card. Uh mm. Uh, I created, um, with the help of my friend, I created a parallel port, uh, basically a um, voltage divider. Uh, it's, um, it's a resistive ladder. Mm-hmm. So you can actually you can actually create a DA, digital to, uh, or analog, the, conversion. to analog conversion, and had some sort of sound. It was terrible because you didn't have any power uh, on the uh, mm-hmm. parallel port. It didn't have basically no bandwidth at all, but you could get some sound out of your computer. Another so it, insight into your yes? your rosy uh, personality, and I'm not being metaphoric or sarcastic now. Uh, again, you are uh, you are a tinkerer since very young age. Yes, yes, yes. I took the things apart. I th- yeah, me too. Watches, yes. calculators. I didn't get them uh, back together again a lot of times, but <laughs> I took them apart. Yes, and this is one of the one of the things that I uh, still like doing. Because I like to see how things are working. Yeah, uh, thankfully, you can uh, pretty much look everything up on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to take things apart. So I don't need to uh, contend with uh, having to put things together and uh, have them not working. Okay. Uh, so uh, at the end of the 80s, let's say right around the time of Universiada, which you just yes. mentioned, I got my first PC. Okay. Um, uh, so 87, 88. Our parents, yeah, our parents bought us our first XT, which was Commodore's uh, PC 10 free. Okay. Uh, I remember every single computer that I ever had with distinct details about everything. And if I close my eyes, I can still operate that computer. And I'm going to give you some examples of that. So it was 80, 88 okay. XT, two floppy drives, 525. 
and an enormously big 20 megabyte hard disk, which was at that time soldered on the controller board. Okay. The computer was heavy as hell. The monitor was even heavier, and it was an amber monitor, which I'm sure you love. Uh, back way then, in the 1992 or 93, I had an amber monitor. And I remember that uh, one time I was doing something. I think it was, I was playing Prince of Persia or something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be something else because it's it was way back then. And I know that I spent something like probably eight hours in front of the monitor. And then when I uh, went to sleep, uh, I was just saying uh, good night to everybody. Shadows. No, 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 no shadows, but everybody was looking pink mm-hmm. because uh, I was sitting in the darkened room. Uh, the only source of light was the amber monitor and basically my color shifted. So my uh, vision was shifted uh, by wavelength. So everybody looked pink and I said to my father, why are you pink? Is everything okay? And he said, <laughs> What are you talking about? I said, nothing. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just going to sleep now. Thank you for for that. Actually, you kind of reminded me of something. That's the reason why uh, I had very similar experience to this, but it was bricks. Yellow bricks, specifically Amber Monitor was yellowish, orangish, something like that. And um, I played a lot of uh, these games where there were a lot of um, brick-like shapes. Yes. And when I closed my eyes, I, I saw a lot of those shapes. Very similar experience. And even with my eyes open as well. Uh, do you remember the Breakout? Yes, game? I do. Yes. Yes, it was one of the games that I was uh, playing a lot. Yeah. Because the first... Just like Arkanoid. So my first graphic cards, uh, my graf- graphic card on PC was a Hercules. Mine too. Uh, and then I had a CGA mm-hmm. for a brief moment. Uh, I'm so glad that I got rid of it. I did not, but my friend did. He had a 286 with CGA graphics. CGA is insane from any perspective, uh, if you uh, think about it nowadays. Yes. Uh, trying to create a graphic card that is going to have basically the most awful colors available uh, to the human kind, mm-hmm. and then try to make it work is, I don't know, I don't know. I really I really don't know. I was expecting to for the first card to be RGB. I wasn't <laughs> expecting- At that uh, time CN you were asking Mag- a lot. Yes, but I wasn't expecting that CN Magenta uh, is going to be even something that you are going to uh, have to uh, put up with. And then uh, couple uh, couple this with the extremely low resolution, the CGA. And uh, uh, calibration of the monitor via yes, dials, yes, etc. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. that so, was fun. So, so this was something that was annoying. Uh, okay. So this is my first, uh, basically I went from uh, Spectrum uh, to the, so <laughs> my Spectrum, then the uh, XT, then 486. Yeah, my path was uh, very similar to that, but I wanted to uh, share a couple of more stories about my Commodore, which okay. I loved. My, I think my dad still has it somewhere in the basement. Uh, like five or six years ago, he wanted to bring that one to me. I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do with it? Because he still had it. I distinctly remember some of the key combinations that I used on that computer. I mean, I haven't used it for 30 years. It's been a while, you know. Control Alt S. Control Alt D, Control Alt T, yes, switching from 477 to 716 and then to 9.54 megahertz speed. Yes, stuff this, like that. This is the key. Uh, the key processor is something that is. Uh, it's impossible to forget. Yes. So basically, when you uh, step in front of the terminal in the Linux, yeah, uh, 
you don't remember how you switch uh for example in screen you don't control remember ld control alt space so yeah. control a control a uh, a control a b control a c and so basically you don't remember the key presses you just do it yeah you, because you, you think, did it 100 billion times yes but you think about the action and the action gets done yeah uh the it's uh, it's, it's like uh like psychic something yes so yeah, the, I know. the interface the interface is working I cannot say that uh, for the newer, uh, different newer programs, uh, this is the same. Agreed. I'm going to I'm going to just point out that a lot of things that I liked about old computing was the, the interfaces. Agreed. Yet again. Yes, because uh, they were clean and simple. Yes, uh, WordPerfect was basically perfect. My favorite app. Yes. Uh, of all times, bar none. Uh, I think that. If they had uh, LaTeX back, back then, and if they com uh, combined it with the WordPerfect way of uh, editing and working with the LaTeX, I think this would probably be the, be the standard today. I had uh, WordPerfect 5.2 on DOS. I spent gazillion years, everything from my high school thesis and uh, many things later, I wrote on that. It's a fantastic application. It's still, it's still alive. It I know. exists, but I mean, but just yesterday I told you that I'm going to buy WordPerfect eight or something for, for fun reasons. I'm just I'm just a, I'm just a trying to uh, ignore those things that you do uh, for no no reasonable reason at all. But why do you need to have a reason? Okay, okay, there is <laughs> there is that. Uh, but anyways, uh, six hundred forty kilobytes of RAM. That's very important for the so Commodore. remember remember what TSR was standing for. Terminal to stay resident. Yes. Remember those? Yes. Remember Sidekick? Yes. So this was the this was the thing back then. You had a program that was able to be run in background mm -hmm. because in DOS you didn't have a background uh, application. So you needed to do something in DOS <laughs> and you either could run uh, TSR. 4DOS, PC DOS or something else. PC DOS, 4DOS, or you could use a DV uh, DeskView uh, X that was able to run both the background applications in different contexts. Mm -hmm. So you could run something like a BBS mm -hmm. and you could run a multi-node BBS based on major BBS. And this was my first uh, introduction to online communication. No, Some... that was your first introduction to software piracy, but never mind. No, 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 to software communication first. Because back then, uh, my first BBS that I connected to, I connected to in 1989, I think. You are, yeah, again, you are ahead of my schedule, yes. but I wanted to give you a, a side question on this. Yes. Which was the first operating system that had that as standard? Uh, Correct answer get, gets you a cookie. Uh, what is standard? Uh, the, the capability to do multitasking Windows. Uh, I will go with Gem. No, no, on, on, uh, we are talking about PC. Okay. Which operating system of that era? Coincidentally, it is going to be a topic of one of our future episodes. I actually don't know what to do, what uh, to say. OS two. OS two. Okay, it could be. It is because I think that uh, there is a dead race between uh, OS two. DeskUX was uh, available way before the OS two and way mm -hmm. before everything on else. PC. On a PC, yes. Um, okay. So it, it was basically a DOS application that was able to do uh, multitasking. It did it in a clumsy way, but OS it was two, able to do it. OS2 was also able to do MS-DOS applications in multiple windows. Yes, yes, Which yes. was way ahead of its time. And it was able to do something that 
I don't think I have ever seen in any other operating system or application. It was able to read the CDs mm-hmm. as digital data mm-hmm. and then play them back as normal audio. So basically it didn't, uh, it didn't try to, it was ripping the CD in real time and then uh, interpreting this as, as uh, audio. This is something that was introduced in, in the PC world in general in Windows as well late, way later because way later, we, yes. used to, we used to have those cables that we connected yes. CD-ROMs with audio cables to the sound card which yes. was the way in which that worked back then but afterwards it was all in the digital realm. Okay. I must make a confession. I think I used a CD-ROM this way an old Plexter a couple of years ago. I still, Be- I'm still using it that way. Because I have it connect, I had it connected to my uh, amplifier back home. So I was basically using the, uh, you remember the old external plexters uh, that had- Yes, uh, like a rounded. Yes, and they, mm-hmm. have, they have the audio out uh, cables. Uh, I had two or three of those. So I actually used uh, this a couple of years ago. It mm-hmm. is a piece of hardware, probably 20 years old. More. Uh, and I used it last week, but in an internal Plexter. Okay. Same, same thing. Actually, uh, on a broader, on a little bit broader topic of uh, how how this, uh, let's say, thing with me and computers came to be, because you, you talked about it as well. Basically, this was my introduction to computing in a couple of steps. The first one was the Amstrad thing. The second was the XT, which firmly brought me into the world of PC, just like you, because after PC, uh, after PC happened in our lives, there wasn't all that much else, realistically, for a long period of time, even till this day. My third introduction to computing was the eternal war between HP and the Texas Instruments calculators. Okay. Because I started using HP, uh, HP's 48SX that my brother used to use because he went to mathematical gymnasium or whatever okay. it was called. When you finished that, he went to medical school, didn't need that anymore. I started using it at the beginning of my high school. And I only started RPN and programming in the HP way back then. So that was my kind of like third introduction to computing in different ways because Amsterdam PC had nothing in common. I'm going to say that my first uh, thing that I must say about uh, my introduction to anything uh, connected to IT was basically uh, directly connected to things uh, that weren't working. Basically, when I got my Spectrum, I didn't have a tape. Mm -hmm. So I had to uh, try and do something with my uh, new, newly uh, bought... My tape on my Amstrad didn't work most of the time, just like for everybody else as well. Yes. So... Loader I A, loader B, loader When C. I got my XT, there were basically zero games. Uh, mm-hmm. Back way then, I had an Alicat game that was uh, for IBM clones. I had... Uh, and Nibbles. Sopit uh, 2. Nibbles. Nibbles. Basic. Yes, Nibbles and Basic, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got my first uh, set of uh, Linux disks, because I was installing my first Linux from floppy drives, uh, my, my X uh, set wasn't working, so I didn't get any uh, graphical interface because it was broken, so I had to use the terminal. Which, which leads us to this day. <laughs> so basically, what is uh, my uh, life has been 
a series of failures that I had to contend with and then uh, work around uh, by teaching myself how to work around them. You want to tell me that basically your life has been engineering. Yes, yes. Thank, I, that's the way I look at it. Every single obstacle that you met, uh, you had to solve the problem. You had no documentation, so you had to tinker, just like me. So let, let's start with one thing. How did you first connect to the internet? That was actually way later. I wanted to just mention one more thing. Yes. My first introduction to Commodore 64, I wanted to just mention that actually, because the friend that I was, my best friend in, uh, in the primary school had it, but we never played it. Uh, my first gaming on Commodore 64 happened in uh, high school okay. because my friend had it and we spent incredible amount of time every single day playing First Strike. It's a game with, let's say, playing. Okay. Let's say. Okay. And we spent better part of the next two years when we started uh, playing that, uh, uh, just playing that every single time that we could. Uh, I just wanted to add that because uh, I did play on Commodore 64, but I, uh, I never had it uh, until recently when I, when somebody you know, gave me one for my birthday. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to just go with uh, I didn't have a Commodore, mm -hmm. but I didn't have an Amiga. But that's I was unfortunate. Playing, but I was playing a lot on Amigas and Commodores because my uh, friends and my neighbors had them. So we were basically, uh, especially over the summer, we were basically glued to the screen and we were playing either when we started in Commodore, I think we'd play Carrier Command. We played, uh, Carrier Command is still available for the PC. Mm -hmm. So there is a remake of it. Uh, we played, what was the, on the, on the Commodore... Uh, Ghost and Goblins was one of the Ghost most popular Goblins, go uh, Golden Exa. Uh, Mission Impossible. Golden Exa. Yes. So uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Uh, the one that had a scream that was digitized. So it was a big thing to no. do. <laughs> uh, there was, uh, I played a lot of games. I had a neighbor uh, at my summer house. Uh, during the summer, I had a neighbor who had a Commodore with the floppy drive. So we were playing a yes. lot of and the adventures. Mm -hmm. LucasArts, um, Maniac Mansion and... Uh, Zach McCrack and whatever. You reminded me of something. Yes. But continue, I have to say something. Okay, else. so uh, it was back then. And then later, uh, I played an enormous amount of uh, Lemmings on the Amiga. Yeah, I know that for, for a fact. Be because, I had, because, I had, uh, because I had a friend uh, and we were playing for months probably. Every, every weekday uh, in the evening after we had to go to sleep, we basically met at his place because he was two houses for me. And then we played until late in the evening and then we went home to sleep. I want to add two things. Uh, a person who you know, actually, uh, okay. the drummer from my band, okay. he used to have Omega. Okay. Uh, I had a chance to play with that a little bit, but not uh, in terms of gaming. We were more into music then because Amiga and mods, it's a story for the yes, ages. Yes, yes, yes. Don't want to go into that right now, not because uh, I don't want to, it's just something that I need to brush up my skills on because I haven't used it a lot, but I do have, actually, we have a mutual friend who is heavily into that when we were back in college. Let's okay. discuss this right now. So that's the first thing. The second thing, uh, when I uh, started going to high school, one of my side hustles Okay. Let's say because I already started working in, in high school, semi jobs for, for pocket money. We had a software pirate in our uh, in our neighborhood, 
and let's not call he, them, let's not call them pirates. Back be, the, back the back way then they were called a software exchange, uh, software enables so, enablers. Enablers, yeah. Yes. Right. Actually, he had a very good computer. Actually, two of them and the CD burner, external SCSI, blah blah blah. Never mind. But uh, we used to spend. Um, so he worked nights. He slept over the day and always st started working late in the afternoon. That's when I came in, and we played incredible amount of Command and Conquer. Yes, but over parallel cable, like uh, you know, network. Yes, uh, back back then when parallel cable when, was when we were uh, plipping and uh, Laplink was uh, the king of the transfer uh, or plipping Linux. Yes, with drivers. Yeah, and uh, I must say that I had uh, I had a couple of friends of like those uh, also that had a lot of games available. Let's call them there. Uh, I literally bought one game from that guy. Mm, okay, but it was. Back way then, when uh, software piracy was not something that was considered a problem. Uh, in the 80s, especially in the 80s, mm -hmm. uh, software piracy was something that was uh, all over the media landscape. It was in the commercials in the magazines. It was not only in the commercials and magazines. You could actually uh, grab uh, software of the radio waves. So uh, I remember that. Radio 101 in Zagreb uh, was playing... Uh, C64 or Armstrong games, C64 something. C64 and Spectrum games somewhere during the night. So you could actually tune in during the night, uh, record the program and got a game or got something uh, as okay. an audio recording. So it was another time when it comes to computing because computing was not considered something of any essence it was not like you were stealing something yeah it was way different then yes which brings us to the 90s and to answer your question before you start because i'm done for the time being my first pc after xt coincidentally was ibm based uh, ibm cpu based dx4 120 486 machine okay because now my you... first uh, machine was 486 and i think it was dx33 yeah if i remember correctly it was either dx33 it, it, or sx25 it could be dx33 or it could be dx50 if i don't that was dx2 then yes so i don't remember correctly if the which one was the first uh, but i remember that i got uh, a lot of floppies <laughs> and I got uh, the first game I played on it was something for Luca LucasArts because it had a VGA. I know which game. And I got, I, I think it was uh, Indiana Jones, but no. uh, I, I think it was Indiana Jones. Okay. I'm not sure. But uh, the thing that I actually remember is that it had a VGA monitor. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had Samsung uh, SyncMaster 17 GLS. I had a Sony uh, Trinitron. It was the smallest <laughs> one, and it was it was still Trinitron, you bastard. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's it's still it's still alive, working. I'm uh, sure because uh, okay, the quarter. Uh, yes, but there is something about the CRT monitors. There, uh, it, uh, there absolutely is. There is. So I'm missing my Sa Saba TV that I used to have, the cat the cathode one. I'm missing it a lot because the colors on that were incredible. If anybody uh, still made a decent CRT, because you can you can buy CRTs uh, secondhand. still uh, secondhand, you can still buy them, but they are basically crappy. Uh, if somebody made a decent CRT, I would buy it. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is okay, okay. There is no sing not a single problem. There is a couple of thousands of problems uh, <laughs> with CRT problem monitors right now, but there is something about the image. But anyways, uh, I got a VGA. And the, the, and the thing that the I gauss, got, the gauss 
Okay, the bon, <laughs> the bon. Okay, but the other thing is that uh, what I did have and what I got with my uh, PC was a 2400 uh, uh, BPS modem. Mm -hmm. So I got my Lucky first man. my first in uh, integrated modem. I honestly don't know why, because okay. I didn't know what the modem was. But at the actual point in time when I got my uh, PC, a guy who was selling it to my father said, you are going to need this in the near future because this is the future. So and I he was it. right. Yes, but he didn't understand what he was trying to do and neither did I or neither did my father. You want to tell me that you didn't know ATX X3, M3, M0, later, X0? Later, I was able to actually discern what is going to happen with my line uh, just by listening to the, Correct. To, to the sound. Same but thing. Okay, and you also get... I never disabled the sound on the modem because no, I no, found no, no, it no. to be something. Uh, I found it to be something. This is the other, one thing. And the other thing was that uh, since we were using the uh, modems way, way back then when uh, basically uh, you didn't pay your bill uh, by the minute, you paid the bill by, by the number impulse. of calls. No, by the number of calls. Number of calls. Yes, okay. uh, in, in the 80s, late 80s, start of the 90s, uh, after 10 o'clock in the evening, uh, basically, one call was one impulse. So you could connect. later they switched it to six, twelve, twenty-four. Yes, but the, the and three, four, six. Yes, but the idea was that uh, once uh, you wanted to connect to the BBS, you started connecting two hours of ahead of time. No, no, five minutes to ten, because you wanted to be connected at ten o'clock because all the BBSs has limited time of uh, limited amount of uh, incoming lines. So you are bringing charges to your bill because you are calling five yeah, minutes yes, ahead of time. Yes, but but I was I was just uh, connecting five minutes before everybody else, and then I was uh, staying connected for two hours. Okay. And uh, I got uh, hooked on uh, BBS chats, mm -hmm. and I got hooked on uh, BBS doors. If you remember those. Yes. Uh, my uh, my uh, DX4 was important for me for three reasons. Reason number one uh, is that the CPU was basically useless. Although it was DX, DX4 100, it was not very fast. The second thing, um, with that computer, that was my introduction to SCSI. Because with that computer, I got a Yamaha CDR1 or 2, 102, which was SCSI-based burner with the Caddy which to this day I cannot stand, but it is what it is. Okay. And um, on top of all of that, it was my, the first computer which I managed to wipe by trying to dual boot uh, Windows and Linux. That was my uh, first computer where I installed Linux in 1996. Okay. Very early, 19, like January or February 1996. Okay, but this is, this is a common thing. Yeah, you have because to break you, it. Because you didn't have any... A slightest idea what you were doing. No. And something happened and then you broke your PC. It's like where 40 disks, three of them don't work. Yes. Go back to college, download them. Yes, game. download them and uh, get the new ones. Get the, get the new floppies. So mm. you get the, you had to get the new floppies uh, from somewhere. Floppies were expensive. Oh, yes. You had your set of floppies and then you were use, using them until they were, were out. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing that I wanted to also mention is that one of the things that happened when way back then in 93 1904 when i was starting with linux uh basically there were there was no google there was no documentation the only documentation that you got was uh first minus minus help and man Ma uh, even man? that was sketch. Uh, uh, okay man was the best documentation that you get but the problem was that you didn't know where to look mm -hmm. because there was no 
right now, when you're trying to uh, search for a topic, uh, when you Google something, even mm -hmm. if you don't find the uh, exact information that you're looking for, mm -hmm. you are going to find the idea of what you're trying to look for. So you're going to find either a name of the program, a name of the standard, something that is going to connect mm -hmm. you to the actual topic. Back then you didn't know uh, where to search. Uh, when you were uh, connecting to the internet, you were able to use Archie mm -hmm. and to anonymous go for, uh, go, go for an anonymous FTP mm -hmm. uh, because the back way then people were allowing anonymous connections to their servers. They still do. Uh, okay, but, but back in those days, FTP was the vast majority of the overall volume of internet traffic. Yes, because Archie was uh, basically searching for the files and then uh, FTP Downloading was the way FTP. you download yeah. them. Yes, but the other thing that I wanted to, uh, to mention is. When I got my first uh, Slackware, I had absolutely no idea how to use my modem under the Linux. Because if you Minicom. remember, not Minicom, uh, if you wanted to connect your PC to the internet, you had to use Slip. Yes, I remember. So a uh, Slip was a serial line over IP. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically you got uh, connected to the internet by using a serial line, so your modem. Mm -hmm. So you had to make a connection and then connect to the internet, got, uh, ad get an address and then actually be a server on the internet. Okay. And I, have, I had no idea what I was doing. I Me just neither. got, a, I copied the config file. I went to the uh, local uh, university uh, computing center. I got a sketchy file that was basically what I didn't know any what any line meant. Mm -hmm. I just typed it over, st uh, started it, it worked. And then I said, okay, now what happens? Mm -hmm. because, what now? <laughs> because when you are uh, on a Linux box, even today, you, okay, you take uh, your uh, internet connection for granted. Mm -hmm. But once you're connected, you need to do something. Mm -hmm. And imagine uh, being a young guy who is connected to something that he doesn't understand mm -hmm. in a way that he doesn't understand. And now you have just a blinking cursor and nothing is happening. I wanted to add, um, actually, let's say two positive things that came out of me using that DX4 computer. Uh, although annoying, the Yamaha thing with Caddy uh, burner, it was annoying because you could burn one DVD, uh, one CD, sorry for roughly 45 minutes and after that you needed to let it go like let it sh shut down the computer for at least 15 minutes to cool down yes um, but i learned a lot about the city standards the joliets the city text the cdi this, this, this that, was the only way to read book to be, you know, blah, to be blah. able to create a uh, cd that would be readable by somebody uh, mk iso fs blah blah those comments that, that's all a part of that so i learned a lot uh, by using that by by trying to use it in a sense and the second thing was uh, way back then both of us were active in the uh, local linux user group hulk yes and I remember a couple of uh, computer fairs in our Zagreb fair. Uh, I burned dozens and dozens and dozens of Linux distribution CDs. I spent gazillion hours doing that. I was hanging out with uh, guys who were working with uh, Walnut CD. If mm -hmm. you remember those, yes. Walnut Creek CD. And uh, we got our first Slackware, I still have it. Uh, I got my first Slackware uh, from them, my first CD-based Slackware. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, an amazing kit that had uh, four CDs of- uh, Extra Linux. extras. So basically extra extras and everything else that was uh, downloadable in any way or form uh, for the Linux. 
So it was a fun way to uh, experiment. But what I didn't have is enough space on the desk. <laughs> of course. Be because my problem was that uh, back way then you could easily have a hard disk that was 10 times smaller than the CD. Yes. yes. And, or 20 times smaller than the CD. Correct. Um, one other or a couple of more things that, that kind of spring to mind. For uh, our listeners slash uh, viewers uh, who haven't had a chance to use those Linux all distributions, which you don't have to, of course, I very much remember deploying, uh, installing my first Slackware, the text-based menus, A disks, AP disks, D disks, G disks, yes, X yes, disks, yes, yes, yes. XA disks, and whatnots. And I'm promising myself that I'm going to use be, uh, be using this uh, this simulation here, so PCM. Uh, I'm going to use it to uh, install Deploy Slackware one. Uh, to deploy Slacker 101 and try to uh, start it from the from the disks and try to install it in order. But I ran into the first problem. Mm -hmm. My first problem is uh, finding a way to boot from an um, uh, image that is able to be read by the emulator. So mm -hmm. I'm going to need to solve this. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to do it. I don't have the time, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to add something else. Uh, it's it's kind of significant in other ways. Um, so DX4, I I got in my dad got me that in uh, 1996. Coincidentally, that's the year when we met. Okay, could be. No, it is. Okay, I, I know that okay, for. Okay, a fact. I'm I'm uh, I must say I'm sketchy about the years. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm I'm a guy who basically knows that I know I know you for a quite quite a lot, quite a lot of, a long time and that's it. <laughs> I know where I know you from and. Basically, everything else in the midst of the past, and I'm going to in the midst. That's good. Yes, and this you is going are, to be. Uh, you are you are going to become our AI for uh, for let's say poetry. Okay. So, anyways, uh, my 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 uh, remember uh, my remember me remembering things is sketchy, and the biggest problem is that once I got my 486, mm -hmm. I know my my next PC was a Pentium. Mm -hmm. And then I have absolutely no idea what happened back then. Because then I started working with PCs and then suddenly it became a tool. And I didn't consider which uh, PC I have mm -hmm. because I basically didn't care. My story is similar and different to that. So if you want to add something, go ahead before I start. I'm just going to say that uh, first thing that I actually made money on was uh, doing some DTP on Ventura. Okay. Back way in 1990-something. My first job that I got paid for in computers, let's forget about the software thing that I discussed yes. previous because I was, for that I was paid in Common and Conquer. Yes. Um, my first job was actually uh, uh, during first year of college, uh, I needed to create some um, horoscopes, fake ones. Okay. For documentation reasons, I created a script that uh, scraped the uh, web page with a lot of sentences and then combined them into multiple, multiple, multiple. Unlike multiple. unlike horoscopes, uh, which are empirically not getting into uh, that. <laughs> but, empirically, but here's the kicker: two things. First, I made incredible amount of money out of that. Yes, I know. In the, uh, back in the start of the nineties, uh, a lot of people wanted the horoscope. Uh, what's going to happen Actually, next? It was uh, because one distributor of horoscopes from a company that was in Germany, blah blah, they needed documentation. So I provided the know-how to do that. Let's call, let's call it that way. Again, side hustle. But I made so much money that I was able to go and buy my uh, uh, one, two, let's say third PC, which is coming after the one that I want to discuss. 
now, um, which was SCSI based only. Yes, and I think that uh, I, I failed to remember. I failed to mention, translation very expensive. I failed to mention that my first forty eighty six uh, had an Adaptech twenty four ninety, so twenty nine forty. I'm dyslexic with numbers. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. It had a SCSI device, and it conveniently broke down with all my data on it. Uh, Excellent. And uh, I still miss uh, this disk uh, to this day. Mm -hmm. uh, I got it revived, but I didn't have the money to pay for the actual data extraction from it. Uh, Do you still have the disk? No, not anymore. Okay. Uh, I know where it ended, but I don't have it. Okay. My next computer was also Pentium. Uh, as a reward for me starting finally to do some exams in college, my dad got me a Pentium 2, 266, the, not the Deschutes uh, core, it was Klamat core, which was slot one. Okay. That computer was seriously fast. That was completely different to the X4 that I had before that. It was a big improvement in terms of performance, and that's the computer where I really honed my Linux skills, especially in Linux kernel compiling, which I did probably seven or eight a hundred times yes you had to do it basically once a day because you wanted to tweak something and every tweak since, since there was no modules everything that needs to be changed required to compile so if you wanted to change i had scuzzy that always required a recompile yes but everything was required to recompile if you want to change the type of the mouse you're using recompile correct uh, it, because card, back then recompile. the kernel wasn't as modular as it is today it wasn't module at all it was okay. basically a monolith kernel that was uh, interconnected in in so many ways Static that linked, yeah. yes that you basically had to if you changed anything uh, a mouse recompile mm -hmm. cd-rom recompile a network card recompile you had to recompile for every piece of the hardware and actually that computer brought me back into gaming which was a problem kind of like i got it as a reward because i started studying yet again but then it led me down downward spiral of gaming like crazy. And this was the computer that I uh, used heavily for playing two of my favorite games of all time, which were Full Throttle, as yes. you know, and Dune 2000. And as, you, as I told you, but you haven't seen that in action, luckily for you, because you would be bored to death. Um, it's very unhealthy for me to, uh, to start the Dune 2000 game, like to start the exe file. Because that means that for the next five days, I'm catatonic. But this is completely fine because uh, for me, uh, the game that uh, does this to me is Civilization. I know more than a few people who would. Because go when along I, with that. Uh, uh, what I did a couple of years ago, I got, uh, I decided I'm going to download whatever version, Civilization 5 or 6, whatever. It was the not the latest version, it was the la la uh, version before that. Uh, they did it, some kind of reissue last year or year before, right? I'm going to completely ignore this game. It doesn't exist anymore. So, uh, what I'm saying is that I got, uh, there was a Steam um, yes. sale, and I said, okay, anyways, let's see what is happening in the Civilization, how it looks like today. Mm -hmm. There was some there are some DLCs. There's there is a lot of uh, added content and so on that you can pay later. And it was the price was something like twenty dollars or so. So I said, okay, let's go with it. And uh, what happened is that I downloaded the game, I started it, and then suddenly it was six o'clock in the morning, and I was after catatonic. I was half a catatonic. It was Saturday, and I needed to do something in the morning, so I haven't slept for the for this night. Yeah, for me, it was Dune 2000 because I remember, just like it was yesterday, starting playing that game on that computer on Monday, uh, 
and realizing that it was Saturday after that, I, I'm without going, sleeping. I'm going to say that uh, I played through the entire Doom when it came out. Uh, Mr. Idikifie? Yes. So Idikifie. Idikifie. So uh, I played through the entire Doom starting on Friday, and then basically I, was, I finished it on uh, Saturday. And I was hallucinating uh, monsters. Same experience. So, so this is this is the only thing that happened to me that was even close to this was when I decided that I'm going to binge watch the West Wing, mm -hmm. and then for a couple of weeks after this, uh, I was actually uh, seeing characters, seeing characters, yeah. and uh, re-imaging things that were happening in this in, in the series. Actually, from from that era, I mentioned Full Throttle one of my all-time favorite games. I have a couple of friends from my childhood that I'm still in very much in contact with to music or just mutual, you know, kind of like friendship friendship being kept alive. Uh, my, my friend got me into that game. He told me you're going to like this game, which he was absolutely right because the game is awesome and the music is even better. Probably uh, in, in, in my list of games like uh, from whatever part of history of mankind till today, top three game. I need to also mention one thing. I extremely uh, liked watching uh, demos Me too. and and uh, seeing what is happening on demo scene in the nineties and in the, in the start of the two thousands. It started with me learning about what demo scene was. Mm -hmm. So I saw a couple of things happening on the BBSs mm -hmm. because way, way back then uh, you got. A lot of information to the BBS so you didn't get the actual uh, games because you didn't have the speed for the modem to download them but you got the information about what is happening because there is a lot, there are a lot of text files mm -hmm. it was a different uh, time and place where you could actually get uh, files that were uh, meant for education and people were trying to describe things so imagine basically uh, People being, uh, 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 I would call them uh, old tellers. So they were actually uh, um, recounting what they saw on s somewhere. So you didn't get the actual experience because there was no YouTube, there was no live streaming, there was nothing like this. Mm -hmm. You got there was only Alta Vista. Yes, you got few grainy pictures, and then you got uh, a written down. Um, a tale that was describing what was happening somewhere. Yeah, in meta language, basically. Yes, so human so meta language. So basically, uh, when I started uh, paying attention to this, uh, the thing that made more uh, the most impact on me was uh, getting my Gravis because I had a Gravis ultrasound. Yeah, I was mentioning yesterday, uh, yesterday, today, today, or today. Yes, okay, today. As I said, I'm pretty uh, inconsistent with my. Um, uh, yeah, you don't have RTC. Yes, I, I don't care. Uh, what is behind me doesn't concern me. So uh, basically, uh, Gravis was the first sound card that sounded uh, good. Like a sound card. Yes, because it was uh, completely different from what we have today. I don't okay. think there is a single card that is available on the market right now that is able to do what the Gravis was able to do. Uh, mm. Gravis had integrated uh, sample memory. Mm -hmm. You downloaded the samples into the Gravis, and then the Gravis was playing them out um, uh, in a way that was uh, written down in uh, modules. Or uh, mm -hmm. so basically, Gravis was the one playing it, uh, and this enabled your computer that wasn't uh, good enough mm -hmm. to uh, have amazing 
in quotes uh, audio and still have a good enough uh, video. Correct. So um, do you remember the now my uh, my uh, sclerotic brain is uh, going to give up on me Wing Commander. Yes, I do. I played that one. Not a lot, but still. Yes, it was one of the, those games that uh, was amazing when we first saw it. You're very popular. Uh, there was, uh, there was uh, this game with... Um, the game with the Star Wars... Uh, the yeah, first I, Star Wars game that had the first uh, cinematic sequence that where you had to do something, yes? I remember. I don't remember the name, but I played that one as well. It was yes. annoying as hell for me. Yes, but it was annoying, but at the same time, it was doing something. I, that, I mean, it was annoying because it was super difficult. It was super difficult, but the reason why it was super difficult is because it didn't have anything other to show other than the, the cinematic sequence. Hmm. Uh, basically, the way it was uh, designed, if you remember it, uh, is that the cinematic sequence was played back from the uh, CD. Yes. And then uh, the game itself was overlaid over the Correct. cinematic sequence. So it was basically just a blown up version of the small games that we played when we were young. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, before we continue, uh, uh, what happened uh, to me back then when um, after the experience with that Monday to Saturday playing of Dune 2000, I realized that I have a problem. Okay. And you usually say that I'm pretty efficient and you know, that I managed to do a lot of stuff in a short amount of time when I focus and said that I'm much more focused than you. I'm not saying this to this. These are your words, your quotes. Actually, this is where that started because I decided to switch my focus from playing a game that I can play all the time to actually go back and start studying. Coincidentally, when I decided that, one of the next things that happened is that our mutual friend slash uh, a person who, who we know contacted me about starting to work for uh, for a IT magazine that you were in charge for for better part of 15 years. Yes. I started writing for the Linux uh, part of that art uh, for, for for that magazine when I was uh, second year college I think. Okay. So that was uh, right around the time when I got my uh, my Klamath uh, Pentium uh, based computer. I remember writing about you know, text mode Linux, uh, writing with our diacritic signs, uh, X windows, how to get our signs, there, our characters there, printing in text mode, printing in GUI mode. Uh, talk. Uh, I remember article I wrote about SLAB, an application for music in Linux, very early one, etc., etc. I remember most of the articles that I wrote. Yeah, yes, yes, I know, because uh, this is the thing that we both did for an amazing... Hello, Rado. Thank you for that. Yes, so Rado, Rado was... Uh, Rado is the legend. Yes. Uh, anyway, Anyways, uh, I remember uh, going to the magazine somewhere in 1999, I think, and my first column was called Siberia. Uh, I was already writing for them at that time. Yes, uh, so my first column was called Siberia, and it was basically news grabbed from the internet and then retold uh, for the audience of the magazine. And then later, down the line, I became a hardware editor, then I became an editor-in-chief of a magazine that was dealing with uh mobile phones and then i became editor-in-chief of the chip itself so the main magazine and i stayed the editor-in-chief until, until, until it dissolved no it didn't dissolve it's it actually exists uh, as a web yes but it's completely it's it's not even a new source anymore it's, it's just, it is devoid of everything that it used to be yes and this is this is something that uh, i'm saying that saddened of uh, course 
not I'm to this extreme, I'm extremely sad because uh, back way then in start of 2000s, both the magazines that you were working for and uh, I was working for were extremely powerful. They yes. made sense. Uh, we had uh, we had amazing uh, leadership, and uh, basically we had something that we don't have today. We had a, had a platform because this platform made sense. Mm -hmm. uh, today, uh, I don't know a single uh, medium. I wouldn't call it a magazine. Even a single medium that is able to provide this amount of positive energy. Oh yes, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Just one more thing to add to this story. Um, when I started writing for what became your future employer, yes, uh, this is actually the first time that I uh, tried to write something in terms of an article, uh, in terms of a re review or something. I did actually a couple of uh, reviews of some music-related content as well, like CDs, albums, whatnot, for a website uh, in parallel. But I uh, got my like my head deep into the idea of uh, IT. And around around that time when I started writing for uh, for Chip, uh, I also uh, did that project with horoscopes and I started buying a lot of hardware, etc. And I was just like all consumed with, with that stuff. I was working as a Linux admin for a couple of companies and uh, IEEE student branch in Zagreb in our college at the time, etc. So this was my introduction to what uh, became the future world of my uh, first real job okay but this is something this is something that uh, which is very significant for me yes uh, but it was significant time for everybody because we were basically finishing uh, college we were going into uh, what would become become first of the many jobs that we did I didn't do many jobs I, I am not a, a job switcher or whatever you want to call but, it okay but to be completely honest you became an admin then you became a journalist then you became an admin again and then you were actually if uh, I, you started teaching uh, I act no it was actually a little bit different to that you're close but uh, close but no juice um, I started when I when I uh, finished uh, college um, I start. I went to. We, we had to do military back then, so I went into civil service. After that, I got employed in uh, one a company that um, still exists today, which deals with uh, automotive uh, automotive industry simulations, okay. AVL. I was there for at, uh, exactly one week, not because it was a bad company, it was kick ass, but I got a phone call from that very same Atari dude that I mentioned earlier. He was like, "I remember you." Do you want to come work for uh, for Vidi, uh, okay. the computer magazine? And it was kind of like a realization of all of my childhood dreams to do that. I didn't know it at the time, but you know, it's like it's something pulls you, like gravitational pull to do something. And I accepted that. And for the next ten years, I was almost completely consumed with that. That was half of my life. But and here is where uh, where the reality differs from your story. Uh, in 2005, two years into my employment with the video, when I, when I actually resigned or when, we, the terms, when I stopped working for them, I took uh, a set of Red Hat courses, certified, and right after that, our today's colleague and yes. uh, our used-to-be colleague who left the company a couple of months ago, uh, asked me if I wanted to be a trainer. So it was very quickly after that. And I started right away and never stopped. Yes, it was different for me because I was uh, both the administrator for a lot of companies 
Uh, at the same time, when I was I was working with the um, uh, publishing company, so for the magazine, because I couldn't decide what I'm going to do. I didn't. It's excellent that you didn't. I did the same thing. Yes, and I think this is one of the biggest things that uh, helped me, because when you are undecided and you are able to, uh, if you if you can pull it off multiple things at the same time, you should. Yes, basically, what you are uh, stuck with then is that you have a choice. And this choice has helped me a lot because, uh, as you said, I was always being pulled. Uh, today, you asked me to provide a CV. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a funny thing about my CV is because I don't need my CV. Uh, the last time I needed my CV was for some project, and this is for, the, for another project. But I never got a job uh, out, of a CV. out of CV. Me neither. Because nobody wanted to see what I had to say because they already uh, saw what I'm able to do. Mm -hmm. So nobody was caring what uh, my uh, paper uh, certification is. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to see me doing what they were trying to accomplish. So I was working for, I was happy to be, uh, I was lucky to be working for a lot of companies that needed my significantly different set of skills than the other people they had uh, available. Hence my reason why I kind of semi-forced you to go into certification. Yes, I know, not, I know. Not, not because I think that certification is the be-all end-all of everything, but it helps it both helps. you and me and our company in certain areas of our business. And it was a no effort for you. Yes. Almost no effort. Because yes, yes. 30 years you've been doing that, so if you cannot do a certification... Yes, I, mean, I think that... Uh, it would be pretty weird. Yes, okay. So uh, I must say that uh, now related certification is a hell of a lot complicated, more complicated than it was before. Uh, That's good. Yes, it, it is good, but it is more complicated. No, no, no you're wrong. Uh, you could you could pull it off. Uh, one, one exam is more difficult. Uh, yes. But this change, uh, the engineering exam, yes. Ansible exam that you're discussing, you have no idea what red, all the Red Hat exams looked like. Trust me, they were much more difficult. Okay, that. okay, but any, anyways, uh, you could pull them off uh, if you were fluent in the general Linux uh, administration. administration. Yes. Now, in order to pull this exam off, you need to be actually uh, inside Ansible and understand Ansible. And this is not something that is necessarily a part of uh, everyday job for Linux admin. So we we cannot comment on these exams. Me as an examiner, you yes, as an yes, NDA signer. But what we can say, and this is what I always openly say to the students that come to my Red Hat classes, there is a difference between the system administrator exam, which is about general knowledge, and the engineering level exam. It always was like that. Engineering exam was never about knowledge. It was always about routine. Yes, I know, but... Uh, There's a big difference yes, between but, those two things. I, the only thing that I'm a little bit bothered about the exam is that it is much more concentrated on a single topic. Okay. But uh, if you are able to pass it, mm -hmm. however you pass it, you are actually uh, proving that you know the thing. There is no way to pass this exam if you don't understand how Ansible works. So this is what I like about the uh, record exams. Me too. Uh, always have, if, always if somebody, will. If somebody passes the exam. You know that uh, he or she I knows. Know, I know that I don't need to talk about the things that he passed. Because this is just a given. If, if it he, is. Uh, there is no brain dumps. There is no way for, to, uh, for you to solve the exam uh, on your own if you don't understand what you're doing. Okay. Let's go back from the tangent. Okay. Uh, after my, uh, I got my Pentium, 
I this was the first time that uh, because of the job that I was doing with horoscopes and some other side gigs that I did, I also got some uh, extra money and I bought myself my third synthesizer back then. The first one was uh, something that my father gave me when I finished music high school. Okay. The second one I got from my uh, partially from my employer as I used to work in, in the music shop. And the third one I bought to myself, and then I realized that it is actually something that's sitting on, on the floor collecting dust, and I exchanged that for a Dell Pentium Free laptop, which was a hell of a good deal for me, both in terms of money difference and in terms of the value of the actual device that I got, because I, I got a kick-ass Dell laptop with a docking station, and that, that was my computer that I used to... Uh, upscale on many of the Windows thingies. I used to run Windows 2000 that for years. Yes, this because the the client windows were, um, let's say, less than reliable. I would call two things that uh, need to be pointed out right now. Uh, first thing is that back way then, uh, both you and me were running. Uh, more than likely, it would be that we would be running Windows NT. Mm -hmm. or uh, even Windows NT 3.5 and then later Windows 2000 and 2003 yes. because they were much more reliable and they were uh, much easier to uh, keep running because uh, Windows 95, Windows 98, uh, whatever, kept crashing, had a couple of problems, mm -hmm. had a, a number of problems yes. with uh, drivers, with audio, with whatever. And you lost some uh, ability of running uh, different applications, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you got stability. So uh, if you wanted to do something, this was actually uh, doable and it was running. Uh, there were no intermittent crashes that were completely normal in the desktop uh, version. And like, the other thing, sorry, uh -huh, sorry, the other thing is that you had to have a device to run Windows on because there were no virtualization uh, Back then, options, yes. option available. That was 2003, four. Yes, there were a couple of uh, virtual, sort of kind of virtualization options Min available, yes, but uh, you couldn't uh, run them on the hardware that you were... Uh, yeah, they, you were, they were... They required emulate, hardware kind, to, kind of like emulated methodology. Yes. Uh, actually, you reminded me of uh, more than a few things actually from that era. Um, Windows 95, just to go there for a second. Windows 95 is, uh, I'm going to openly say that, my favorite OS of all time, bar none. I'm going to tell you why. Because, and I know, I know that you're going to be able to relate to this, but maybe you're going to have a different take. It was my favorite OS back then, and it is still today, because I had no problems reinstalling it three times a week. Okay. Do you remember that time? Yes. When the OSR2 came out, the second version, which introduced the creation, you know, keyboard characters, whatnot, etc. That is by far my the, the, my favorite OS of all time, followed by Windows 98 SE. My favorite OS of all time is probably OS2 Warp. Uh, we are going to talk about that because that's my close third. But let's now try to wrap this thing up. Oh, we have more things to say. Yes, but we are going to leave this for the next episode. No, 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 I, not about this. We have uh, we have a couple of things to definitely to wrap up, but uh, there are a couple of things that you probably want to say about your computers as well. And before bandit, we please. do. You said that you don't remember which computers you had after the, the last one. Yes, because my problem was that... Uh, Utilitarian devices. Uh, 
so my biggest problem is that uh, when I got older, when I got some uh, cash flow going, and when I was able to uh, work for the computers that I uh, mm-hmm. that I got, I basically did two things. First, I provided myself with uh, enough computers to be able to do my work, and then I kept. Uh, I basically when I was working in the magazine. You know that uh, when you know the problem with working when the harder part of the magazine, we got a lot of hardware. Uh, My employer uh, didn't give me any of that, no, which no, I had no problem. With, no, but no, but I didn't, I didn't get the hardware for myself, mm-hmm. but uh, you got to use it. So I got used to using a new hardware. I was using it in the magazine because uh, a long, 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 long time ago, I decided that I don't need another computer at home. And when I had... Uh, Unlike now, of course. No, the problem is that now I don't have a job where my everyday computers are going to be changed every day. And now I need a better computer at home because this is where I work. Okay. And back way then, I had a lousy computer at home. And a good one at work. And I had seven, eight, nine computers at work that I could use uh, at any time. given moment. So I didn't care because I was sleeping at home. Mm-hmm. And I was working in the office yep. and I was able to pull everything off on different computers. So I didn't care about the computers back then. Uh, I started caring uh, when I uh, decided to going to leave the uh, magazine business and the, the journalism and everything else. And I'm going to orient myself to uh, towards uh, being an administrator uh, full time. So mm-hmm. then I realized that, realized that I needed computers at home because I needed to experiment, I needed to work and so on. So there is a large gap where I didn't care which computer I had. Because you already had everything yes. that you needed. Yes. It was very similar to me, but after I left the magazine, when I started my own website, uh, still exists today, but uh, we are not updating it Haven't for a decade probably. Might uh, We might reconsider that. Uh, actually, uh, back then I got a lot of hardware specifically for myself because most of the hardware that got um, into our hands to review stayed with us and uh, specifically they were uh, they were named at me aimed at me yes 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 yes. i had all of the cpus of all of the generations of every single you know amd slash intel uh, platform up to a point with uh, amd and intel kept uh, sending those up to the very end when i started stopped working with NVIDIA, I always had an excellent relationship, still do, to this day, I'd say. And they kept providing me with everything that I needed ever, which for which I was always very grateful. And I was always fair to them. That's what I wanted to do. But I always cared about what I have, not for the you know public appearance, Instagram, screenshot, selfie reasons. But because of the fact that uh, I realized as I was working with the magazine and after that, when I started working for myself, uh, that just like you said, computers are tools, correct? But also there are good and bad tools. And for me, having a very slow computer for, to do the work is a problem. Um, specifically, for example, um, what a year and a half ago, I, I got that 3900K which I used to do video editing for our podcast, etc. Uh, I did a couple of episodes on my computer in the office. I wanted to take my fist and my foot and a baseball bat and everything and just smash that computer, how slow it is. 
it's 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 a force of habit yes yes it's something that uh, is also my problem because at home i don't have the latest generation of the i have a three uh three eighty two gen old ryzen two gen old ryzen the three eighty x ryzen uh but what i have is uh 64 gigs of ram and uh i have a decent graphic card so i'm able to run both of both of visualization and everything else that i need mm-hmm. if i need it i have enough cores to be able to run uh, whatever needs so now you I'm, have dozens of laptops just like me yes but at the same time i have a couple of laptops couple of macs uh, couple of uh, a, a couple a, of racks of servers that you can always use for virtual yes, machines so, so a couple of computers that were uh, basically uh, were dropped on me for no particular reason and i had to have them <laughs> and uh but at the same time uh both you and me we did we haven't kept up with uh using the newest uh laptops yes uh, uh, i i did i do that mostly with macs but not with pcs yes so but we we are not up to date with everything because nope. we didn't we started slowing down as the normal pc power uh, kept uh, kept basically being steady enough t- so that it is usable uh, the tools are usable. there haven't been so so much heavy improvements let's say on the cpu side for many many generations so but, but there were there were improvements but we didn't care about those because there were no uh, demands on the uh, software side correct you can you can work with the this is six generations old uh, laptop mm-hmm. what i need to do can be done with this laptop I'm not 99% of your work is doable with that laptop. I agree with you completely. So, I don't see any point in wasting money on on it mm-hmm. when I could be wasting money on other other, other stuff. Uh, on yeah, stupid controllers that you buy from uh, whatever. Yes, Alibaba okay. or whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just a random a random thing, first thing that came to mind. It's not about Alibaba, it's or, about buying cheap or stuff. Beringer. Yes. Beringer, yeah. Yes. Okay, uh, let's wrap this up. I just wanted to kind of like wrap, wrap this up in two parts. The okay. first part is going to be our kind of like summarization of those changes that happened from the first gen uh, from our first computers all the way to today. I have three points to make there. I don't know how many you have and then we're going to close the session in let's say our less than normal way. Okay. So for me when I look through the years from my first computer which was Amstrad all the way to today when I have this one and 4 Max and 3900K and whatever there are three main components three things that significantly changed from my perspective of being a user of a computer. So with each new generation of computer what's clear as day we got new uh, let's say uh, more CPU power more memory although memory has is probably the component that slows the computer's most down but yes. that's a topic for another day uh from having the first pc with 20 megabytes of disk up to today when i have computers that at least have 6 7 8 12 10 terabytes of something where most of it in nvme um uh, my biggest uh, let's say improvement came with the ssds for my workflow and for for, for everybody basically for, for everybody else yes so that's the first thing the second thing is software part I started with um, Amstrad uh, OS was called AMS-DOS, Amstrad OS. From that to Windows 3 to Windows uh, 3.11 to Windows 95, 98, Millennium, blah, 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 blah. You can clearly see the progress of the OS part and don't get me started on applications. Applications are probably the most developed part of that. And the third part of of that uh, which I think is the most significant for us is the part of the, uh, all of that being connected to the internet. That's what changed everything. 
I think the two two things were the important for me. One is the internet, because the internet is not only the connection of the things, but also connection of the knowledge. <laughs> so uh, a lot of things that are available now is something that is completely uh, un- was completely unheard of before, uh, un- unheard of before the internet uh, came on. Unobtainium. And the other thing is that virtualization was uh, a big part of what we can do today, because you can use your tool, whatever the tool is, uh, for your everyday work. You mm-hmm. have everything set up, and if you need to test something or uh, work on something, you can quickly spin up a virtual machine or two, or even a Docker or two, mm-hmm. and create something that is going to be uh, useful to you basically in a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. So you cannot only uh, learn by reading, you can also learn by trying, doing, try, doing and learn by trying it out mm-hmm. on a completely safe environment that wouldn't be possible a couple of years ago. Correct. Uh, Okay, we are lucky that we have you and your environment here in the in the office. Okay, uh, but uh, for a normal person, okay, we are not normal persons, but for a normal person that has a couple of PCs at home, who uh, says that normal person has a couple of PCs at home? Okay, but but somebody who is working in IT probably has a couple okay. of PCs at home. So that's your normal person. It is okay. not. It is not uh, because who who is going to run uh, simulations on the home environment, but uh, except uh, people who are doing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, creating a home lab, mm-hmm. that uh, the thing that is now uh, something that is normal or considered a hip, uh, you have to have your home lab. You're a hipster, yeah. Then you have a home lab. And you, you have you, your iPhone. Yeah, no, 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 but I'm not, I, I'm not having my, I, I don't have my home lab. I just improvise along the way. Uh, but people buy uh, special equipment for the home lab. They mm-hmm. want to have the fastest the fastest networking for the home lab. They want to have Cisco for the home lab. But oh yes, uh, if you disregard those people, a normal person who wants to do something can do it for an amount of money that would probably uh, be uh, something that you could buy an, a single hard disk uh, a couple of years ago. You can Correct. you can get a virtualization environment that is going to get so you. So pricing component of that also. Yes. That changed significantly. You're yes. completely correct. So basically, if I get uh, and I can get uh, a laptop like this for something like two hundred euros or something, mm-hmm. because this one is broken uh, in cosmetical way. So, but it is it is broken. It's, it's considered uh, broken. Broken, uh, broken in cosmetic way by his foot. Okay, but this one this one is actually uh, was broken by me, but. It is worth around 200 euros right now. Mm-hmm. I can buy a couple of these and I can create a pretty decent environment even on this uh, laptop that is was never meant to be run, uh, to run a visualization environment. Mm-hmm. So I can do a decent As long as you job. have enough memory and fast disk, it's okay. Yes, but I can do it uh, although this wasn't ever never meant uh, to run this. No. And then... If I want to create an environment that's actually going to be a virtualization environment, I can do it easily for a silly amount of money. Okay. So, internet and uh, virtualization is something that uh, I'm most happy with and with tinkering. Actually, this has been quite a cleansing experience because I realized that we have much more in common than I thought, which is always good to know. Okay. Cool. Okay, uh, so that's a wrap on uh, this episode of uh, That IT Show podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, see you. Bye.